welcome to this episode of Leader Fluent. This is Stephen Blandino, and today we're tackling a topic that every leader has asked at some point in their leadership journey. How do I lead up? I'm going to share 10 ways to lead up. So whether you report to the boss or you are the boss, I promise you'll find today's episode practical and helpful. And stick with me to the very end because I'm going to share with you a free resource that will be especially helpful for young leaders and for those who mentor and coach young leaders. So before we jump into this episode, would you do me a favor? Would you subscribe to the Leader Fluent podcast? It's available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Android, iHeartRadio, and more, and I'd love for you to subscribe today. And after you subscribe, would you rate or review the podcast? It helps us get the word out, and it would mean so much to me if you would leave a rating or a review today. So enjoy this episode of Leader Fluent as we talk about 10 ways to lead up. Have you ever found yourself asking, how do I influence those who lead me? Maybe you're the newest member of the team and and you want to get off to a great start with your supervisor. Or maybe you're in the middle of the organization and some people report to you, but, but you still report to the pastor or the principal or the CEO and you want to gain influence with your boss. Or maybe you're the boss and you're wondering how to communicate to the people you lead what you look for in great team members. So where do you start? Like, what's the steps that we take to lead up? I'm going to give you 10 ways to lead up. And with each of these tips, I'll share one word followed by a short statement that describes it. So let's get started. Number one, self-leadership. Lead yourself consistently well. You see, self-leadership is the discipline to influence your life in the right direction. Because let's be honest, if you can't lead you, your boss won't entrust you to lead others. So so that issue of self-leadership is absolutely critical. What does it look like? Let me, let me explain it with some statements. You know that you're practicing self-leadership when you show up on time, when you take responsibility for your character, when you have a lifelong learning attitude, when you own your problems, when you don't make excuses, when you take initiative, when you choose a positive attitude, when you've disciplined your life in key areas of life. These are all expressions of good self-leadership. So so if you want to consistently lead yourself well, I think the best way to do that is to create a personal growth plan in the most strategic areas of your life. You will benefit, but so will your organization and your boss, the person that you follow, is going to notice that as well. We talked about this in the very first episode of Leader Fluence, so I just encourage you go back, listen to that episode, and in it I provide a practical process for personal growth planning. Number two, responsibility. Do what you were hired to do. The first thing your leader wants to know is whether or not you're getting the job done that they hired you to do. If you're not taking care of the basics, nothing else is going to matter. This is so important because, listen, if you're eager to expand your job, but you're not responsible with your existing job, why on earth would your leader give you more responsibility? They're not. 
To be trusted with new opportunities, you have to first show yourself trustworthy with your current opportunities. Be responsible. Do what you are hired to do. Number three, excellence. Consistently over-deliver. I remember when I first got into ministry, I, re I remember our pastor asked each person on, on the staff to map out a plan for the following year. And after he gave us this assignment, I can still remember sitting in the office of a fellow team member who had completed the assignment. And after he completed it, he said, well, that was easy. All I did was copy everything from this year's calendar into next year's calendar. There wasn't anything new. There wasn't any you know, fresh vision or inspiring goals. It was just a repeat of the previous year. Well, guess what? One year later, he wasn't on the team anymore. Why? Because he did just enough to get by. And if you want to lead up, you've got to do what you do with excellence. And that means you have to consistently over deliver. You can't just do enough to get by. You see, this is so powerful. Hear this. Whereas responsibility means you get to be trusted, excellence means you get to be heard. Let me say that again. Responsibility means you can be trusted. Excellence means you can be heard. So if you want your leader to hear you, he or she has to see a level of excellence that gets their attention and makes a positive impression. Listen, th this is so important because doing what you're supposed to do doesn't get noticed. It's expected. You don't get a trophy or a bonus for, for doing what you were supposed to do all along. But it's when you consistently over-deliver. That's when your leader starts paying attention. In fact, this one act, I promise you, this one act will set you apart from everyone else, and it will immediately give you greater influence to lead up. So practice excellence, consistently over-deliver. Number four, teachability. Be a curious listener and learner. We have a guy on our team that uh, shortly after I hired him, he came to me privately, and, and this is what he said. He said, Stephen, he said, I want to grow. So I want you to be harder on me than anybody else on the team. Now, when he said that, I'll, I'll be honest, it got my attention because immediately it showed me that he was hungry to learn and to grow. And guess what? He's proven it. He's proven that he meant what he said because when I've given him feedback on how he can improve, he has eagerly accepted it. And not only has he accepted it, but he's even pushed me to not hold anything back and to give even more feedback. I got another member of our team who came to me recently and thanked me for calling him out on a behavior that was impacting the team. And, and do you know what my response to him was? I thanked him for having such a teachable spirit. Listen, we're all going to mess up, right? We're, we're all going to drop the ball. But the team members that impress me are the ones who are teachable and coachable. So let's talk about this for a moment. What, what is teachability? Author Roger Seip describes a teachability equation like this. He says it's desire to learn times willingness to change, and that equals your level of teachability. Again, desire to learn times willingness to change equals your level of teachability. 
You see, teachable people first have a desire to learn. They have a deep passion to become better people, better students, better employees, better bosses, better leaders, better spouses, better friends, right? They just want to get better. Because of that desire, they envision a better tomorrow in each area of their life. But but desire is not enough, and we all know that, right? It's not enough just to have the desire. Teachable people also have a willingness to change. Without willingness, your desires, they're nothing more than a daydream. Willingness is where where discipline meets the desire. It's where the desire begins to turn into reality. So again, desire to learn times willingness to change equals your level of teachability. So, So what does this have to do with leading up? Let me let you in on a little bit of a secret. Your leader likes to share what they know. They've got experience that you don't have. They've got knowledge and insight and wisdom and expertise that you don't have. And when you make yourself teachable and coachable, you endear yourself to your leader. Okay, so so be humble. Listen more than you talk. Welcome honest feedback. Ask questions. Don't get defensive whenever your leader gives you feedback. Be a curious listener and learner. Be teachable. It'll help you lead up. Number five, priorities. Value what's important to your leader. Uh, Many years ago, I I was interviewing at a church, and, and I remember in that interview process, the pastor said something that really caught my attention. He said, if you work here, you won't do any outside speaking or work on any side projects. Now, as a speaker and a writer, that caught my attention. But, but, but here's why he said this. He said it was because he understood stood the importance of, of harnessing the team toward, toward what was most important. You see, he understood the power of focus. He understood that, that when the team's highest priorities are the church's highest priorities, the mission of the church is going to move forward. Now, I'm not saying that your team can't do any outside stuff, and, and that's your call as the leader, right? But what I am saying is that we can't ever let our pet projects get in the way of what's most important to our leader. If you want to lead up, you can't put your personal preferences ahead of the organization's priorities. That'll never work. You have to embrace and personalize the organization's vision because if your leader ever thinks you have an ulterior motive or they ever think you've got a secret agenda, your days of leading up are over. So so learn to value what's most important to your leader. What they value, that's what you need to value. Number six, sacrifice. Pay the price others are unwilling to pay. We live in an entitlement culture, right? That's obvious. We know that. We see it all over the place. People want their perks. They want their their privileges, their power, but they don't want to pay their dues. And if you want to lead up, you can't demand your way to the top. Let me say that again. If you want to lead up, you cannot demand your way to the top. You've got to make sacrifices. Now, I'm not suggesting that you sacrifice your values or your faith or your family, anything like that. But I am suggesting that you put in more time, more mental energy, a higher quality of work than others. I'm suggesting that you volunteer for projects. So long as you're delivering on on what you are hired to do, on your other responsibilities, 
I'm suggesting that you volunteer for projects without expecting something in return. Make sacrifices. Pay the price others are unwilling to pay. That gets noticed. That is a powerful way to lead up. Number seven, team building. Develop teams and multiply leaders. Several years ago, I, I, I had a team, uh, team member come to me and they said, I, I need to hire someone else to help me. They said, I, I've just got way too much to do. And so, you know, we started to talk about it. And, and as I talked with them, I, I, I discovered that uh, the issue wasn't his workload, but rather how he was using his time. I discovered that the problem wasn't that he had too much to do, but rather he was using his time to do the wrong things. And so, I, I, as I talked with him, I said, there is not enough money to pay you to do ministry because there's simply too much ministry to do. Instead, we're paying you to develop people to do ministry. And we see that pattern in Scripture whenever there's the emphasis of, of preparing God's people for works of service. You see, th this is so critical. The best team members are those who focus on developing, not doing. They're focused on developing people, building teams, multiplying leaders, not doing all the work themselves. I love how Peter Haas describes this. Peter Haas describes uh, this in such a powerful way when he talks about three different types of leaders. The three types of leaders are technicians, equippers, and multipliers. Technicians do the work. Equippers empower people to do the work. But multipliers build entire family trees of equippers. So the staff members that get my attention the most are the multipliers. It's, it's the ones that have the ability to build teams and develop leaders of leaders. They don't just get the job done. They get it done with and through leaders and teams. And as a result, they make themselves more valuable to the organization because they're able to handle larger amounts of responsibility. Because again, it's not them doing all the work. It's them building teams and releasing opportunity and responsibility to them. When you build teams, you become that much more valuable and you're able to start leading up. Number eight, creative problem solving. Be solution minded. I don't mind if a team member brings me a problem, right? I, I want to serve them. I want to help them any way that I possibly can. But what I do mind is when I have to be the one who always has to solve the problem. So, so think about it like this. When you bring a problem to your leader, simultaneously bring two or three possible solutions. Why? Because that shows your leader that you've taken initiative. It shows your leader that you have problem-solving skills. Think about it. If your leader has to do all your thinking for you, they don't need you, right? They, they need someone who can tackle the problem and not just be someone who takes orders, but someone who proactively solves the problem and comes up with solutions to it. And if they're not sure, they can bounce those off of their leader and, and share what they're thinking, but it shows that they've already taken the initiative to look at possible solutions. Here's another dimension of problem solving. Be careful that, that you don't shoot holes in your boss's ideas unless you've got better ideas to offer, right? I mean, it doesn't take any talent at all to poop on the parade, right? So, so if you want to lead up, 
don't tell everyone why their ideas are wrong. Frankly, that can be really annoying. Instead, just bring great ideas to the table and let the ideas speak for themselves. So be solution-minded. Number nine, preparedness. Preparedness. Value your leader's time. John Maxwell says that, that, that he gives his love unconditionally, but you have to earn his time. That's how leaders think. And, and, and if you want more of your leader's time, you've got to earn that time. And one way you earn that time is by being better prepared whenever you're use, using their time. Okay. Whenever I was an executive pastor before starting Seven City Church, I, I had a weekly meeting with my pastor prior to the staff meeting that I led with the rest of the team. And before that meeting with my pastor, I always prepared two things. The first thing I prepared was, was that I knew every meeting with him was going to start with a question. He would always ask, what do you have for me? And I learned very quickly that I had better have an agenda, that if I did not have an agenda when I went into that meeting, then I wasn't prepared. And, and therefore, I was going to be wasting his time. The purpose of that meeting was for him to be able to address any concerns or questions that I had. So I had to make sure I came into that meeting. So whenever he asked, what do you have for me? I had something for him. The, the second thing was that, that prior to the meeting, I would always look ahead to what was coming down the pike. And I didn't want my pastor to ask me something that I didn't have an answer for. So, so if it was time for staff reviews, I wanted to give him an update before he asked about those reviews. If a major event was approaching, I wanted to bring attention to our action plan before he even asked. If, if, if something was brewing, I wanted him to know so that he wasn't blindsided. Preparation was the key. So to, to lead up, you have to think and plan ahead. You have to ask yourself, what does my boss want to know and need to know? And then have an answer so that, that he or she doesn't ever have to ask, okay? Listen, time is valuable. You know that, right? But, but in a busy leader's life, there's no greater asset. So, so if you want to influence those who lead you, you've got to respect their time and be prepared whenever you're receiving part of that time. All right, number 10 is flux. Flux, know when to push forward and when to pull back. The, the art of flux is really critical to leading up. So, so, so what do I mean by flux? On one end of flux is what authors James Cousins and Barry Posner call challenging the process. When you challenge the process, you're, you're challenging the status quo. You're, you're taking risks. You're, you're helping the organization improve and innovate and move forward. And, you know, young leaders especially love this practice because, because they see things that can, that can get better and, and leaders need to glean that perspective. And so this is the push side of flux. It's pushing new ideas and new innovations forward and every organization needs that. But you also have to master the other side of flux, and that is pull. So while there are certainly times to push forward by challenging the process with your leader, there are also times when you need to pull back, when you need to yield to your leader, when you need to be sensitive to what's important to your leader in that moment. Okay, here's why this is important. If you never push forward, you'll stop bringing value and innovation to the organization. And if you never pull back, 
you'll start to irritate your leader and even break trust with your leader because you'll become like a bulldozer that's just constantly pushing, 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 and it becomes too much. So sometimes you need to challenge the process and help the organization take forward strides. And then at the same time, not everything needs to be challenged. If you have to give your opinion about everything, you're probably starting to annoy your leader. So there's a dance between knowing when to push forward and when to pull back. And, and if you can master that dance, if you can master the flux between pushing and pulling, you'll be much more effective at leading up. So let, let's quickly review. If you want to lead up, practice number one, self-leadership. Lead yourself consistently well. Number two, responsibility. Do what you were hired to do. Number three, excellence. Consistently over-deliver. Number four, teachability. Be a curious listener and learner. Number five, priorities. Value what's important to your leader. Number six, sacrifice. Pay the price others are unwilling to pay. Number seven, team building. Develop teams and multiply leaders. Number eight, creative problem solving. Be solution-minded. Number nine, preparedness. Value your leader's time. And number 10, flux. Know when to push forward and when to pull back. Well, I hope those 10 strategies for leading up helped you. And before we close out this episode, let me tell you about a free resource that will help you build influence as a young leader or help you mentor and coach young leaders. On my blog at stephenblandino.com, you'll find a free download called The Young Leader's Guide to Building Influence. In it, I share a young leader's most important lesson and their most important test. I talk about 10 words of wisdom for young leaders. I talk about how young leaders can lead up. And if you're coaching young leaders, I also share uh, the 10 signs of an emerging leader and how to coach young leaders to succeed. So just go to stephenblandino.com, click the tab that says free resources, and you can download the resource today. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, Please subscribe to Leader Fluent on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting platform. And again, would you do me a favor and rate or review the Leader Fluent podcast? It helps us get the word out and it would mean so much to me. I really do appreciate that. Thanks again for listening today. And I look forward to coming to you next month with another edition of Leader Fluent.